0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Upgrade, a podcast covering the speculative grade market with a focus on leveraged credit and CLOs. My name is Bob Schultz and I'm one of the two sector leads for S&P Corporate Ratings Leveraged Finance Team. On The Upgrade podcast, we look at speculative grade companies that we think have the potential to work their way up the rating scale and what that means for CLOs. And we also cover other topics. For example, based on our research, we just recently addressed a perplexing subject, How can the default rate be so low and expected to remain so well into next year, while at the same time the CCC ratings cohort is so large? In the episode today, we're going to discuss some new research that assesses the dilution to first lien credit quality by weakening debt structures and loan terms. Joining today from the Leverage Finance and Recovery team is my co-sector lead and primary author on the commentary, Steve Wilkinson. We will also be discussing recent takeaways from the Opal Conference, one of the first in-person CLO conferences since the pandemic lockdowns began in March 2020. Beck Sunu from the Leverage Finance team and Dan Hu from the CLO team are here with Steve to share what they learned at Opal. So welcome all. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you and tell us a little bit about what was your objective for the article on the decline in credit quality in the broadly syndicated loan market?
1: Sure. Thanks, Bob. We've just been through a sharp but relatively short credit and economic downturn and the leveraged loan market has already shifted to a risk-on posture, setting new annual records for total leveraged loan volumes, as well as records for various risky categories, such as funding for PE-owned firms, M&A and LBOs, companies rated single B-, and for dividend recaps. In addition, loan documentation remains weak. Uh, notwithstanding the cycle we just went through and notwithstanding the fact that there were several aggressive restructurings over the past two years that exploited the flexibility embedded in existing loan documents. As a result, I thought it'd be useful to publish something to show the extent of the decline in credit quality over time and to help investors better understand where the risk has increased and how it may become a problem down the road. I thought this was especially important given the wide range of opinions in the market and in the media about the extent of the change in credit risk and whether investors should be concerned.
0: Yeah, no, and the, and the last point is a great one, that there, there's a pretty wide range of views out there about what, what this B- in particular cohort means. So uh, should loan investors be concerned about these changes in credit quality that you're describing?
1: You know, from our perspective, the answer is definitely yes. Uh, you know, Credit risk has undoubtedly increased, and that decline has been pervasive in terms of higher default risk, lower expectations for recovery given default, uh, for first lien loans in particular, as well as an increase in the potential for event risk. And I'd note that these risks are higher than they've ever been for the rated universe and that these risks are higher for companies that rely primarily on loan financing than they are for other spec rate issuers. That said, we also tried to provide some perspective and insight into the changes in the article. One of the common denominators is that growth has been at the low end of the rating spectrum with investors uh, chasing yield in a low interest rate environment. Many of the new issuers, especially over the past five years or so, have been private equity owned and have high... Uh, debt leverage and a reliance on first lien bank loans to help lower their cost of capital. This, of course, raises default risk and also lowers um, recovery expectations given default for first lien debt since you know cushions uh, of junior debt below that uh, don't exist in some cases and are thinner where, where it does still exist. As a mild positive, the size of the rated universe is now substantially larger, 50% bigger than it was in mid-2009. So there's at least more transparency and independent monitoring in the leveraged loan market than there, there has been historically. With regard to the decline in loan document quality and the corresponding increase in potential event risk, as we understand it, sponsors have also been the most aggressive in pushing for flexibility in loan documents uh, that has resulted in this increase in event risk. But you know that risk is really embedded in, in most loan documents at this point. Uh, and we've seen that document flexibility being aggressively used to restructure outside of bankruptcy. Uh, in ways that can be very detrimental to first lien lenders, even though they sit at the top of the uh, the debt structure. The good news is that the number of extraordinary out-of-court restructurings has been limited, but the bad news is that most of these have occurred over the past two years or so, so investors really need to understand and worry about this risk.
0: Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Some of those are pretty high profile. So let's uh, turn to you back And you know, Opal's in Southern California in, in December, not such a bad place. But So at Opal, you discussed the mechanics of creditor unfriendly documentation based transactions and and some of the preventive measures uh, you've seen so
2: uh, summarize a few of the key points on that topic please absolutely i truly enjoyed this panel the the topic of the panel was hidden risks in uh, in credit agreements and because we only had about 45 minutes we decided to focus on the risks associated with unexpected subordination through collateral transfers and up-tier loan exchanges. Uh, My part was to show the differences in the mechanics of these transactions and try to explain why, so far, up-tier loan exchanges have been harsher on the lenders who find themselves newly and unexpectedly subordinated. My main point there was that With collateral transfers, existing lenders are subordinated only to the extent of the value of the transferred assets, which is dependent on the basket capacity within the credit agreement, and these transactions more often than not, do not roll existing debt over into uh, the priming position. Whereas with up-tier exchanges, there's a strong propensity for participating lenders to elevate their existing debt into the priming position, causing a larger portion of debt to be in front of the subordinated lenders, which leads to lower recoveries for them. But what I think resonated the most with the audience is the point that even though these are tail risks, um, these risks are worth paying attention to uh, because of the severity of outcomes for the newly subordinated, Uh, the lack of any real notice before these transactions happen and the fact that the looseness in the credit agreements required to allow for these transactions is pretty common in the BSL market.
0: I expect, yeah. So severe outcomes and and the potential for them is is pretty widespread. It sounds like. Um, so Dan, let's turn to you. And and I think people are probably generally aware that it's been a very busy quarter for CLO issuance, very busy year for CLO issuance. So what were some of the major points that the CLO uh, investors and managers raised during the Opal conference?
3: Sure, Bob. One of the key themes at Opal this year was the SOFR transition. Uh, With LIBOR cessation looming for both the loan and CLO issuance, uh, we've seen only a few handfuls of SOFR loans issued and an even smaller uh, smattering of SOFR-based CLO notes issued so far. CLO issuers were active in raising the last LIBOR-based structures during the fourth quarter of 2021. Um, When we spoke to some managers, they seem to be very willing to issue sulfur-based liability uh, or CLO notes, but nobody seems to want to go first. Um, they seem, uh, the medium and smaller CLO managers seem to be happy to wait for one of the larger CLO managers to print the first entirely sulfur-based CLO structure before jumping them themselves. So several participants expect a slight slowdown in CLO issuance during, the, during January before momentum really begins to build up. Existing CLOs will also have to face the operational issues of transitioning from LIBOR to SOFR as the proportion of SOFR based loans within their portfolios approach the halfway mark. Other topics include uh, ESG during our meetings at Opal. For instance, the CLO market continues to build on the concept of prohibited industries for now. However, the end goal would be an ESG like uh WARF score or metric where the entire PSO market could be given an ESG score, allowing a simple weighted average score to be calculated for sale portfolios. Uh, standardization of this score, as well as uh, good coverage, as well as surveillance of these scores uh, remains the bottleneck for now. Another topic that came up was recoveries. Um, as Stephen Beck uh, mentioned, it's no secret that uh, B-minus issuers have dominated the new issue market this year, and several issuers have closed loans with, historically higher leverage. As existing CLOs continue to reinvest into the new issue market, we have noticed several CLOs have experienced shifts in their weighted average recovery values, some to the point of failure within various tests in the trustee reports. Recovery ratings are a key input within our CLO rating methodology. So a decline in recovery, all else equal, will result in a decline in the rating cushion on our CLO ratings.
0: Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's a good tie back to what Steve was talking about. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Dan, Beck, and Steve. And we'll close this episode of The Upgrade uh, with one update. Uh, I'm retiring in early 2022, and uh, we collectively at in Leverage Finance are very excited to have Manish Patel taking over my role as a sector lead Leverage Finance, uh, working with uh, with Steve as also a sector lead in Leverage Finance. So listeners can look forward to hearing Manish his inaugural hosting of this podcast in a future uh, episode 18 of The Upgrade. So this concludes episode 17 of The Upgrade, and, and thanks for listening.